Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. On Thanksgiving dinner and you don't feel like preparing it, just do it like Snoopy, make some toast, pop some popcorn, have some jelly beans. <laughs> Not a bad idea. <laughs> we have any Thanksgiving memories we want to discuss? In a public forum. <laughs> we have forum. a big uh... <laughs> public forum. <laughs> At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz begins now. Hello once again, this is Lou Katz welcoming you to the podcast that does its best to keep you informed on the ever-changing world of entertainment. And we want to welcome from Vulture and WTOP Radio, your lover, Jen Chaney. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. And also joining us as a guest critic this week from RogerEbert.com and Gold Derby, Susan Wazena. Hey, Susan. Oh, oh, wait a minute. There's one more person we have to bring on here. Longtime Washington, D.C. entertainment reporter and lover of the wild in North Carolina. It's, it's the one, the only, Arch Campbell. Thank you, Lou. And uh, hi, Jen. And hello, Susan Wazena. And thank you for joining us. And I think uh, we should jump right in today and talk about uh, the finale of The Undoing. Because I was totally in there for the whole thing. And uh, Jen and Susan, what do we think? Well, I'll let Jen go. She's thought about it a lot more than I think I have. So <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll let her lead the charge. <laughs> I might have thought about it more than David E. Kelly did. Uh, uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I felt like what they were trying to do throughout the whole series was to just throw all sorts of red herrings at us to make us think that, you know, Hugh Grant could not possibly, his character could not possibly have killed Elena. And then, spoiler alert, of course, that was exactly what had happened. I don't know if it was the intent, but my interpretation was it, it, they wanted us to feel the way that Grace, Nicole Kidman's character did, where you just couldn't believe that this would be, you know, what had happened. And while that may be a clever idea to kind of put us in her shoes, it felt really unsatisfying to me because I thought there was going to be some twist or some new piece of information or, or at the very least that it was going to go into some kind of depth that it just never went into. Plus, I just the courtroom scenes and, and a lot of the other scenes in the finale just defied logic in a lot of different ways. But now I'll throw it to Susan to see what she has to say. Well, I was talking to my friend about this and we said... She's a psychiatrist, right? She like check out the guy she married a little bit more. Of course not. Saying I do, I don't know. But then we're saying I've known some people who are shrinks, and sometimes yeah, they they have problems of their own mm -hmm. as as far as seeing into people's psyche. So that's a great point because uh, I have known many child psychiatrists who have deeply troubled children <laughs> and can't get a handle on them. No, so, I had a uh, boyfriend who became a psychiatrist, but I left him just for, I mean, before he murdered anyone <laughs> and married my much more safe and, 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 and kind husband. So A couple of things struck me about The Undoing. One was that it really worked as a series that dropped week by week that you know they strung you along and although i am really to the point that i love to download everything and binge it that uh, having to wait week by week uh, sort of enhanced the experience 
And the other thing is uh, I thought the acting was really good. I think Nicole Kidman is just superb. And uh, Hugh Grant is uh, a delightful, well, uh, delightful is not the word, but he's, uh, he's quite good as a villain. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I thought. Lude, were you guys in on the undoing? Uh, yeah, we we absolutely caught it like the rest of the world. And uh, I think I, I'm sort of siding with Jen. I was expecting something a little more explosive. I don't know. I just thought, well, we're going back to him again, and that's it. But, you know, maybe the lack of a surprise was uh, the greatest surprise. Or maybe not. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree that the acting in it was good and, and uh, you know, it was, it was a well done piece of television from from that perspective. I just think that it went off the rails narratively in that last episode. I mean, putting the hammer in the dishwasher twice and no one noticed that. Like, are you kidding me? Calling that kid to the stand just spontaneously. And like, you know, that would have been an approach the bench, take a recess situation that they just sped right through. Getting into a helicopter and following the police chase, like that all just happened very fast. And I know that sometimes they have to do that just to, you know, get to the end of an episode in a condensed amount of time. But it just, I don't know. I wanted something that was a little more credible than that. Well, all I can add is good old David E. Kelly. This is, you know, I think when you look up David E. Kelly in the in the dictionary, uh, the undoing will be uh, right there uh, in the picture. So do we have a rating for the undoing? Will we go that far, Susan? It kept me engaged because you go online and everybody's like, every person was a suspect, you know, down to the least you know, screen time. So, you know, that was something that they, I assume, got them fairly good ratings because you didn't know. And then when you did know, we went, oh, and <laughs> turned it <laughs> I agree that ro- rolling it out weekly, which is, of course, what HBO still does. I do think with a show like this, it actually helps to create more sustained interest. And, you know, they didn't give the the last episode to critics, so we couldn't blast it before it got on the air and uh i mean i can only judge i don't know what the ratings were on it but i from the traffic that we were seeing internally like every article the day after that that episode was our top articles were all about the undoing so there was definitely a lot of interest in it for sure that i don't think would have been there if if you'd been able to binge it in a weekend hey jen what kind of uh, feedback did you get on the various pieces uh, vulture wrote on the undoing and did you get a sense of uh, what the audience thought for the most part people seem to agree with the piece i wrote about the ending and with the occasional fact that I've been getting these emails from people who are mad that I brought race into it at the very end of my article, talking about the fact that they were white privileged people. And they're like, this show wasn't about race. I'm like, it actually should have been. Elena and her family are, are Latinx people that would, did not have as much money, uh, obviously, as the other people in that school community. And I think that was a really central part of it that honestly, the show didn't talk about enough. It, it's been very interesting to get these emails from people who are like, and Donald Sutherland earned all of his money. I'm sure of it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) But for the most part, in terms of uh, my sense is that the disappointment that I'm talking about and that Lou was talking about was felt by a lot of people. You murdered a person, Dad. Not the real me. Not the dad you know. But the first episode was really superb. Yes. I mean, you know, because the talent involved and just... But they, how they showed everything was just, you know, you were hot. You, you couldn't not watch the 
the next several episodes. So. I completely agree. I mean, I gave it a positive review um, for the most part out of the gate. I think where it started to lose things is the more it got into the courtroom drama, which is supposed to be David E. Kelly's specialty. Um, <laughs> it's been, the, the courtroom stuff just didn't work. Have you watched any of the flight attendant? Yes, I have. Now that is better. Yes, yes. it is. It's, it's it, But I, I would also say I'm not expecting a ton of depth from it. And maybe because I'm not expecting that, it's it's exceeding my expectations. But it's all about that actress. And she kind of reminds me of Goldie Hawn in a good way somehow. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So and it's interesting to me, the flight attendant is has this deep thread of alcoholism to it, that it's almost more about an alcoholic who blacks out uh, as much as it is about the mystery of uh, who uh, killed well, uh, the guy she uh, slept with. Well, that's sort of in the Queen's Gambit, too. <laughs> so. yeah. mm -hmm. By the way, Jen, because of you, I did a little bit of research on the flight attendant. Uh, because uh, last week I said, let's play a game and come up with movies that have the plot where somebody wakes up next to a dead person and doesn't know what happened. And uh, I reached out to uh, Jason Fraley, who said, well, the night of the HBO series. Mm -hmm. Remember That's that? right. Yeah. And there's a 1986 movie with uh, Jane Fonda, The Morning After, where she's an alcoholic, washed-up actress who wakes up in bed next to a guy who's been uh, killed. So I like that plot. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. it's a, I think it's a pretty neat plot. And, uh, and I am into uh, the flight attendant. I like that actress too. But they let the, the dead guy, you know, go on. <laughs> and that is the twist. I love that. <laughs> well, he earns his money. <laughs> I like that actor, too. I watched him in Treme and Nashville. I kind of had a little crush on him for a while. So. <laughs> Jen, any, any more thoughts on the flight attendant? Well, I, I mean, I, I will say, as I said last week, I think HBO Max is really rolling this out in a way that is trying to, like we're talking about with The Undoing, capture and sustain attention because they put the first three episodes out, but then it's going to be weekly after that so that, you know, it can generate some some conversation and, and uh, also, I'm sure, some subscriptions for HBO Max. Well, we're talking about The Undoing and how it's undone now. And now I think all of us are looking for something to get hooked on. So, Jen, uh, tell us what's new this week. A lot of things, uh, <laughs> believe it or not. So we'll start with a documentary series um, because you haven't seen enough documentaries about cults. There is a uh, another one that's coming to HBO Max on Thursday called Heaven's Gate, the Cult of Cults. I'm sure you remember the Heaven's Gate cult that uh, ultimately they a number of their members died in a suicide pact in the in the 1990s. And this goes back to the very beginnings, explaining the whole history of it. Um, I'm, I don't know why I'm fascinated by cults, so I, I am very interested in watching this. I've only watched the first episode so far. Um, it's four episodes total. So there's that. Coming to Netflix on Friday, you've got a couple of things. One is the fourth season of Big Mouth, which I don't know if anyone else here has watched. It's an animated series co-created by, among others, Nick Kroll. Um, and it's about um, middle schoolers going through puberty. And it is very graphic. <laughs> to, to the extent that an animated series can be graphic, but it's really, really funny. And I don't know, I think they, they handle a lot of sensitive topics in a 
uh, really refreshing way, but I, I, it's not for kids. So just, I, I want to emphasize that uh, as, as strongly as I can, but I, I highly recommend it to anybody else. It's still very funny in its fourth season. And also on Netflix is Selena, the series, um, which is, you know, a mini series about the pop star Selena. You know, she there was a movie made about her with Jennifer Lopez very famously. Right. This is a, I guess, more detailed breakdown looking at, at her life from when she was a child and really discovering her singing talent. How does the actress who plays Selena compared to Jennifer Lopez? Well, I only watched the first episode. The actress playing her is Christian Serratos, who... Um, was on The Walking Dead. You may recognize her from that. You know, she really, she looks like her. Mm. Um, but a lot of the first episode, which again is all I watched, is about her when she's younger. So I don't feel like I got a full sense of what she can bring to the table yet. And the first episode, I will say it, it felt like pretty kind of standard biopic type stuff. But I mean, Selena is such a major figure that I think a lot of people are going to be interested in watching this no matter what. Right. So again, that debuts on Friday. And on what Netflix. else? On Netflix, yes. And then two things for you on Sunday. One is a new episode of Euphoria that's kind of a standalone episode. This is an HBO series that Zendaya won an Emmy for. Uh, it's about teens dealing with all kinds of different issues. And they're doing kind of a, a one-off episode, it's supposed to be a holiday kind of theme that they shot during quarantine. And I have not seen it yet. They have not made it available to critics. So I'm not quite sure what it's going to be. But if you like Euphoria, I'm sure you'll be interested in watching that. And then on Showtime on Sunday night, another new series, it's a limited series called Your Honor, which this is another one that has crime and courtroom stuff in it. Brian Cranston plays a judge in New Orleans who's recently lost his wife and his son is, um, is just driving and he has asthma. He drops his inhaler, he's trying to pick it up and he ends up hitting a kid on a bike and, and killing him. Mm. And fleeing the scene ultimately. And it turns out, of course, the kid is, is um, the son of uh, this kind of mafia guy, mafia family. And so the whole series from there is just a spiraling of, of how they're going to make sure that this kid doesn't get in trouble. And Brian Cranston is very good, as we know, at playing men who seem very upstanding on the, on the outside, but are doing all kinds of really dirty stuff behind the scenes. And that's the kind of character he's playing here. It does, this is another one that stretches credibility a lot. Um, and it's also a little bit gruesome, but, you know, Cranston is, is terrific. Uh, so I, I always enjoy just watching whatever he does with any character. So could I guess what you like best? Do I get a sense that maybe it's Euphoria? Well, it's hard to say because I haven't, I, I do like Euphoria, but I haven't seen this episode. So I don't know how, mm. what this episode is going to be like. The only thing I can wholeheartedly recommend to you is Big Mouth because I've watched mm. that whole season twice actually at this point and I and I like that show to begin with so well uh, Susan Wazena is with us and it's always a pleasure to talk to her and Susan one of your many attributes is you work for Gold Derby which uh, tracks awards season yes <laughs> <laughs> what can you tell Do, are we going to have one yes I mean us? surprisingly it's not a bad year for movies even though a lot of them were held back with big budget ones like you know James Bond or you know things are going streaming and everything but no there there are at least 10 good films that could be in the best picture race and my favorite is Nomadland 
Oh. And that's directed by a woman, an Asian woman, Chloe Zhao, and she could be the sixth woman to compete for Oscar. And then there's another lady in the race, and that is Regina King, who did One Night in Miami, which is another great film. And so there could be two women up for the Oscar in the director's uh, category. And uh, other ones that I think might compete are um, The Trial of the Chicago Seven, Aaron Sorkin, and uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And there's one called The Father with Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. And it's interesting, there's at least seven films, including one documentary that revolve around dementia which mm. kind of is appropriate for this year, I think, for all of us, not to make fun of it, but... Uh, wait. <laughs> yeah. And then I just saw News of the World. That's Tom Hanks. Oh, Western. wow. And it, it was... I, I enjoyed it very much, but I love Tom Hanks, and so... I read that book and just loved it. And yeah. uh, it, people know I am from San Antonio, Texas, uh-huh. and it has that San Antonio German community yeah. Uh, Central South Texas touch that you rarely uh, see in the story. Right. So right. I can't wait. Is that coming to Netflix or someplace? It's universal. So I think they're going to put it on a streaming site, but they're probably going to bring it to, they are going to bring it to theaters where I'm not going right now. So <laughs> I was lucky to get an early preview of it. So. Yes, and the young girl is very interesting too. I mean, she's a German actress, Uh and uh, they—they it's a little bit true British in a good way. So, Uh (laughs) and may I prompt you that Mank is coming to Netflix uh, Friday, and I'm very excited about that. Jen, have you seen Mank? Yeah, thank you for reminding me. I meant to mention that in the um, what's coming this week, uh, because now everybody will have access to it and can watch it on Friday. I just watched it last night, as a matter of fact. Mm. Um, And, you know, what Jason Fraley said about it a couple of weeks ago, I think is true that people who don't know the film history may find it a little slow in parts. But I thought the way that Fincher, David Fincher made it like it just it looks like a movie from the 30s just with the flickers and and the, the way they fade from scene to scene. Uh, and there are definitely like specific homages to imagery from Citizen Kane. So it's it's a beautiful looking film and very well acted. You know, Gary Oldman's great, but I'm I'm, I'm really excited for Amanda Seyfried, who that's right. Yes, she's, she's terrific <laughs> in it. And I and I you know she doesn't get maybe uh, the props that she sometimes deserves for the for the kind of range that she can bring to um, a character. And so I, I hope that she gets some conversation generated around her. I know she already is. For a potential Oscar nomination. Well, the New York Times took note of her <laughs> in a yes, big they did. way. That was quite a profile. And, yeah. <laughs> and um, there's another movie called Minari that I saw uh, thanks to the Milberg Film Festival. And I love it. it. It's about, it's based on a true memoir, but it's a family of South Koreans who the guy, the, the head of the family wants to by this farm in Arkansas. And, you know, so they're all fish out of water. And there's two kids, they're, you know, younger, and they're struggling to make this fantasy of this husband (laughs) come true. But then they bring over the grandmother, and she's delightful. And there's a little boy and her, and it's just 
such a wonderful relationship. And I hope it gets some traction because I think it's an Asian director too, which, you know, it, it's, it touches your heart in a way. Well, I understand it kind of echoes last year's Oscar winner. Well, yes and no, because there's no, no uh, <laughs> kind of, uh, they, they don't, they are who they are. I mean, it's not, it, Parasite, you know, is um, a, a much different story, <laughs> but it does, you know, but the people in the town are very, you know, they bring them in, they, 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 they want to be you know, helpful to them. So. so am I hearing you say that you can easily put together a top 10 movie list uh, this yeah. year? Did anyone see Soul? I have it. I just haven't gotten to it yet. I, I was hoping to watch it over Thanksgiving and I didn't. The only objection I have to, because of the animation is beautiful, like they keep upping their game with computer animation. It's like almost you're like seeing people. But it's in a world like inside out. You have to learn all the rules. And there's so many rules in this world that he goes mm. through that it's a little bit daunting. I, I just, you know, I have trouble enough with, with the real world sometimes with its rules <laughs> one in a cartoon universe. But I, I think it could be one of those, you know, Pixar films that maybe we'll get in mm. there. We'll see. And then the, the five floods, I do think. Lee Delroydlin, uh, I think, is going to get nominated finally for something. He's sort of like the man in the Siegfried of, you know, male actors. He's never gotten his due quite yet. So, and, um, but it, it's an interesting season, like I said. And, you know, there's certain things like in the actress race, like Viola Davis is in Mom Rainey's Black Bottom. She could be just the only second African-American actress to win for a lead, which is a sin, because there's a lot more men who have won, you know, after Sidney Poitier won. So that would be nice. And I love Frances McDormand's pieces. So I, I'm hoping she'll get three, her third, for uh, No Man Land. But did you see Pieces of a Woman yet? Not yet. She's not quite a newcomer. She was on The Crown, but Vanessa Kirby oh, um, yeah. is in it. And the first half hour is like devastating. And uh, it goes from there. But Ellen Burstyn is in that. And she's going to be 88 this week. So, you know, it's amazing. And then Sophia Loren is in The Life Ahead, and she's 86. They could be the oldest. They can beat, what's her name, from Driving Miss Daisy. She Just was the 80. oldest at, yeah, at 80. So they can make hit a record here. <laughs> Now, then, I notice you are not mentioning Hillbilly Elegy. Here's my thoughts about that. Okay. And I have some thoughts, too, so okay. I want to hear yours first. All right. I really, really, really want Glenn Close to win a damn Oscar already. All right? Mm -hmm. And I will have to say I made a case on Gold Derby why she should win. And, and For all. this. But poor Amy Adams. That oh. role was just so beneath her, and she tried, and the hair, and the, the denim, it just, you can make a character like that, not be likable, but at least you can feel for them, and I have felt nothing for her, you know, and if any, anybody's going to get anything from this movie, I think it's going to be Glenn Cox, but 
you know, there are people who could not necessarily, you know, could stand in our way. What and strikes me is, I think, and I'm not defending it, but I think that uh, Hillbilly Elegy is the kind of movie that critics love to pounce on. And yet, uh, it's the same kind of movie that finds an audience on its own. My problem is uh, I don't think they really uh, got the story of how the young man uh, got out of that situation. And I love your point about Amy Adams. You want to feel something for her, and they don't give you the opportunity. The irony is, uh, I was telling Jen a few months ago, we stumbled on Junebug and watched it again, which oh, was yeah. her breakout movie, and was a movie about the red state, blue state, lower middle class, upper class divide, and got it perfectly. And uh, Hillbilly Elegy uh, does not. But I am hearing from people who tell me how much they love it. So right. I, well, it I was number two once it got online. It was number two that we, I mean, it was over Thanksgiving. So people did watch it. But the thing is, I watched it and then they had like a Q&A with Ron Howard and the actresses. And he said he wanted to stay out of the politics. Well, by doing that, we had scenes of him trying to figure out the cutlery on a <laughs> dining room table. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how many times have I seen this in a movie? You know? <laughs> so, and it's not a new thing. So, I mean, that, that was weird for me that they focused on something like that. You know? uh, exactly. I think he went for the, for the image rather than uh, for the heart. Right. Jen, you got any more thoughts on Hillbilly Elegy? I don't know how you make that movie in this time period and, and avoid the politics of it. Like, it's kind of impossible. I just think it, the comparison you were making with Junebug, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen that film, but all the characters felt like real human beings. And I think that was what is missing from Hillbilly Elegy. It feels like you're dealing with these broad stroke stereotypes as much as, you know, Glenn Close and Amy Adams try to bring something to these these women, it just, they don't totally feel like real people. And I don't necessarily blame them for that, but <laughs> something, something's missing because there are, you know, real people who live in Appalachia that should be relatable to everybody. And I just think the movie missed an opportunity to make that case. Well, one thing I am excited about in the Oscar season too is that Chadwick Boseman's last film role is in Ma Rainey's He Plays mm -hmm. the Trumpeter, and he's getting better notices than Viola Davis. And I think he could become easily the third Oscar winner posthumously in the actor category and that he would join Heath Ledger and Peter Finch from Network. And I think that will be a moment if that comes true. Now, I just heard that they're gonna do the Oscars not through Zoom or anything, but live somehow. Well, that's what they no. think they're doing. Yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to vaccinate all of Hollywood and they'll come. <laughs> hey, you know, last night I was spinning around on the uh, TV and I hit Bull on CBS. And, you know, I just watched about 30 seconds of it, but they were wearing masks. It looked like uh, an episode that they had shot since the, the uh, virus. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of episodes. Kind of interested. Yeah. The, um, one of my colleagues wrote a whole piece about that, about how different shows are dealing with the masks. And a lot of them, 
like Superstore, for instance, when the people are on the floor, when the characters are on the floor, they're wearing masks, but then they have a lot of scenes where they're back in the, you know, behind the scenes where they're not, because it's an issue where people don't want to cover up their actors, but how do you not have them wear masks? So it's, I, I still think they're trying to figure that out in a way that makes sense for telling these stories but also being sensitive to the fact that you should be, you know, wearing masks and keeping distance and all that. One other thing to mention is I stumbled on a documentary on Netflix from National Geographic, Diana in Her Own Words, which is a wonderful companion to The Crown, which is the series that I have particularly loved this season. I would highly recommend it. Lou, did you see that, Diana in Her Own Words? Uh, No, I haven't caught that one yet. No. Uh, I just, I highly recommend it. It's it's a nice uh, backup to it. Uh, and speaking of Lou, cats, what's going on in your world? Well, we have Hound Radio barking out the hits. And also, if you happen to be a dog lover and you like getting in some exercise, you probably want to listen to this latest World of Dogs feature. Hound Radio pauses the music for another wonderful look into the world of dogs with Faith Lapidus. Hiking with your dog is a chance to enjoy the great outdoors, get some exercise, and do it together. But there are some things to consider before you head out on the trail. First, make sure both of you are in shape. Maybe start small on a short, slow hike and work your way up to something more challenging. If your dog isn't under reliable, unshakable voice control, keep him on leash. If you use a harness, make sure it's comfortable. And if you want your dog to wear a backpack so you don't have to carry everything, give him time to get used to it before going on a real hike. Keep an eye on the weather. Heat exhaustion is real and dangerous. Dress properly and bring enough water for both of you. And perhaps most importantly, be courteous. Hiking etiquette is more than moving to the side of the trail to let people pass. It means making sure your dog doesn't chase wildlife or bound up to other hikers uninvited. Follow these tips for a happy and healthy hike. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. At the Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. This is the part of the program where Jen Chaney uh, throws us a few curves in flashbacks and favorites. And Jen, what's on your mind this week? Well, we were just talking about Glenn Close and whether she might win an Oscar for Hillbilly Elegy or or be nominated for it. And, you know, she's been nominated multiple times, has never won, which is ridiculous. I take it personally because she went to the same college that I did, even though I have no connection to her whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) But when I was doing theater at William & Mary, there were pictures of her you know, in plays. And I used to, and she was the first like major celebrity that I ever saw in person because she came to talk to students when I was there. So I, I feel a particular amount of respect for her. So I'm wondering what role that she has played do you think she most deserved an Oscar for that she didn't get? And it could be one she was nominated for or not. It doesn't matter. Fatal attraction. Yes. Fatal that, attraction. Because the, you, people still insert it into the conversation every year. I mean, it's just such a novel thing. I mean, it, it you know, to play a character like that and you actually, I felt sympathetic for her until the knives came out but, and she killed the bunny. <laughs> I just 
found that amazing that from what we saw, which she was, you know, cast at before that she did such a great job. And Michael Douglas, too. I mean, they, they made kitchen sink sex something for us. <laughs> and, and Fatal Attraction kind of, of uh, you know, it hit a chord in society. Yeah. Um, maybe uh, some people said it was a metaphor for the AIDS epidemic. Mm -hmm. uh, some people uh, read a lot into a uh, relationship between men and women. Uh, that, that And that film has stayed with, with us all this time. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in retrospect, certainly, if not at the time, it really demonizes her character a lot more than it demonizes Michael Douglas's character, which seems mm -hmm. a little um, out of proportion. But I think to Susan's point, the fact that you do empathize with her when the movie is trying so hard to demonize her uh, is a real testament to what Glenn Close brought to that role, that it, it had a lot more nuance. And so I, I completely agree that she deserved one for that. I honestly thought she deserved one for the wife. Um, I was yeah, shocked. the wife. I, I mean, well, but you know what? It, it's unfortunate. If she wins for Hillbilly Elegy, I just will be glad she finally has a trophy. But I think... Well, it's like when, like, Blue Sky for Jessica Lange, you know, or right. mm -hmm. or something else that was beneath somebody, but they won because, like, Iron Lady, people say, too, for Meryl Streep finally getting a third one. So uh, it happens at the Oscars, but uh, that's why it's fun to talk about, because they don't always go win for the right movie role but it's just their time mm -hmm. so uh do we have any best bets for the weekend uh i, I think i gave a ton at the top of the <laughs> podcast i've run out of suggestions i'm just i'm very interested in watching mank yes and i will be making uh, a lot of room to watch that uh, this friday and as uh, as we know, uh, Frank Mankiewicz uh, lived and worked in Washington for years and years, and a lot of us encountered him. And uh, his sons, the grandsons of Herman Mankiewicz, are uh, Josh, who's on NBC, and Ben, who uh, is uh, so good on Turner Classics. So uh, I can't wait to see Mank. And I know it's inside baseball, and that's that's more reason why I want to see it. Susan, what are you recommending this weekend? Well, I would say Mank, too. But then yeah. I notice on Netflix they're going to have a Great British Baking Holiday <laughs> <laughs> episodes. So we'll, we'll, I think I'll be lapping that up a little bit, too. <laughs> Lou, I think we're uh, running down the clock. And uh, how shall you uh, close things up? Well, since Jen picked flashbacks and favorites and Glenn Close today, I actually dug up a song of Glenn singing, believe it or not. This is from 2009. She's singing uh, the old Judy Collins hit, Send In The Clowns. So we wrap up our podcast this week with that. And have a great week. We'll catch you next week right here. Isn't it rich? Are we a pair? Me here at last on the ground, you in midair. Send in the clouds. Isn't it bliss? Don't you 
Podcasting system.